Good morning. Today we continue back into our series I have entitled Heart Attack. We're looking at Matthew chapter 5, walking through. This is a small portion of the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. And we find that through chapters 5 and 6 and uh, looking at what the Lord has to say to us beyond uh, just the mere action of our lives, but the motives of our hearts. Jesus Christ is more about our hearts because our hearts determine our actions. Our hearts determine our words. And our heart is where Christ resides when you have made Him Lord of your life. Scripture tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised His Son from the dead, you shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10 that Paul wrote that. And it's very important for us to understand that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is from the heart where all of our decisions begin. That's the seat of who we are. And Christ needs to rule on the throne of our hearts so that we may have a life that brings honor and glory to him and to him alone. Today we're in Matthew chapter 5, looking at verses 38 through 42. This is entitled in my Bible, Go the, Go the Second Mile. But today I've entitled this about selfishness. Because so much of what we do is, is self-centered. You've got self-help, self-thought, self-improvement, self-this and that. And we are a society about ourselves, not a society about others. We must be mindful that Christ didn't save us for ourselves. He didn't save us by ourselves. He saved us through Him, for Him, by Him, and for His glory. It is so that other people, yes, we do benefit, don't get me wrong, our souls are saved from hell. We have a right relationship with Him once we've been saved by the grace of God. Yes, that's great. But if it was all about us, then once Christ saved us, He would just bring us on up to heaven. But salvation is not for us alone. Salvation is for us to be able to speak the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that anyone and everyone that we come in contact with may have an opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So I want us to understand today that when Christ walks through this, he is talking to us about our heart situation. About our heart situation. The very first line here in Matthew chapter 5 verse 38, I'm going to read the first line, the first passage of scripture, read a little intro to it, and then we're going to, um, we're going to pray and then we'll move into the whole text. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 says this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, the words an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth occur three times in what we know as the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible. They enunciated one of the judicial laws which the Lord gave to Israel. Judicial laws the Lord gave to Israel. The law was prescribed solely for the guidance use guidance and use of magistrates its design was threefold to protect the weak against the strong to serve as a salutary warning unto evildoers and to prevent the judge from inflicting too severe a punishment upon those guilty of maiming others 
As such, it was a just, merciful, and beneficial law. And this law was known as lex talionis, which is the law of tit for tat. Lex talionis. And the original aim was definitely the limitation of vengeance, to, to limit vengeance from individuals. And if the principle of this statue, this is, was universally and strictly enforced today, it would make this world a much safer place to live in. But this law had been greatly perverted by the Jewish leaders. For instead of confining it to the magistrates, they had made a general application of it, teaching that it gave each person the right to avenge his wrongs privately. And thereby they fostered the spirit of malice and condoned deeds of violence. They had taken something that God had put into place for a judicial situation and taken it out of the court's hands where there could be a true judgment on the call and let it go into the emotion of mankind. That's the reason why we have courts and things of that nature. So that the emotion of the response can be taken out and it can be judged fairly by a group of our peers. And it's based upon what's happened. And what happened here in the Jewish context, they had taken it out of the court's hands and let individuals begin to uh, exact vengeance. Which the Lord says, vengeance is mine. It is not for us to repay. So here we have a, a what normally happens is we're given an understanding of how things are supposed to function and we take it away from them and put it into our own hearts and hands and we misuse it. And this is what the Lord is speaking to today in verse 38 and builds off of this when he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The scripture goes on to say, I'm going to read the rest of this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn, to, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. So as we look at this scripture today, Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, we see the Lord is calling us back to this memory. He's speaking to many Jews. The vast majority of those on the hillside on the Sermon on the Mount were Jewish in their belief. They had heard this over and over and over again. Much as many of you, as you have been here week in and week out, as I have preached, you've pretty much, hopefully, put to memory Romans 10, 9, and 10. You've heard that almost without exception every single Sunday at least once, maybe even twice or three times. You've put it to memory, hopefully. I'm not going to ask you to recite that to me right now. wouldn't do that to you. But if I were to begin to quote it, you would know it. And that's the way it was with them. They had heard these laws, they had heard these rules for so long, it was just rote memory. They knew it. And Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. People quote that today that have no clue about the Bible. You've done it unto me, I'm doing it unto you. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You don't hear it as much anymore because we're becoming a Bible illiterate culture and society. 
Let's not be a talk to our kids. We're saying we're not going to make them follow after us. We're not going to make them do this. We're not well, you make them go to school. You make them take part in sports. You make them do this and that. But we don't make them come to church. What's the deal, folks? Anyway, whole nother sermon. But, but we wonder why people are biblically illiterate. It's because we don't take charge in our home and with our kids dictate what's happening. Anyway, sorry, I preached on responsibility a few months ago. But an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We need people to be biblically, have a biblical understanding of what this meant. Well, where does that come from? Exodus chapter 21, verses 22, 23, and 24, 25 says this. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall be surely punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him. And he shall pay as the judge determines. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now this is, I mean, I'm not preaching on the value of human life. But you heard that. That's if a child is in a woman's womb and two men are fighting and a woman gets struck and something happens to that baby, that guy that, that struck the woman is in deep trouble because that's a human being made, made in God's image that's now been hurt. I'm not preaching on that today, but you hear that. But he's talking about this is, this is all judicial stuff. It was handed to the magistrates so that when these things came into a court of law, they knew how to judge on the situation. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, tit for tat, lex talionis is what it's saying. Deuteronomy 19.21 says, your eye shall not pity. That means don't let your eye have compassion. You just got to understand, life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. That's so that those rulers, those judges, would know how to exact a just judgment on behalf of the situation. But what has happened here? in Jewish culture that Jesus is speaking toward is that individuals outside the courts just decided, I'm going to make a decision. You mess with me, I'm messing with you. We're bypassing the court system. And Jesus is saying, that's not how it's supposed to work. If somebody wrongs you, you deal with it in a way that's honorable and God has set forth in the Old Testament. But they had bypassed that. And God, Jesus is saying, that's not acceptable. Are there evil people? Yes. Look at verse 39. He says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. Don't resist them. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. So what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, this is... This is Jesus speaking to them, saying, I'm telling you not to resist an evil person. That means don't take the law into your own hands. Don't take the law into your own hands. That's a dangerous thing to do. We're not a judge. We don't have all the right things to be able to handle these things. And who knows how things are going to turn out if you start trying to exact revenge on your own. Jesus applied the principle of non-retaliation to affront one's dignity. Because listen to what happens here. He says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, because what do evil people do? Well, they try to destroy, um, your, they try to destroy you personally. 
It's a personal attack. And sometimes it can become a physical attack, as he talks about here, whoever slaps you on the right cheek. Now, let's, let's think about this, whoever slaps you on the right cheek. If I were to come down here and slap somebody, where would I slap them? Most people are right-handed. Which cheek would I slap them on? Left cheek. Okay? Now, this right here doesn't say whoever slaps you on the left cheek, does it? No. It says, but I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek. So how are you going to slap somebody on the right cheek? Backhandedly. That's dishonorable. It's a dishonorable way. It's an insulting action to backhand slap somebody, isn't it? I just want to backhand you, right? You've, you might have even heard that. might have come out of your parents' mouth at some point. But that's a backhanded, that's an that's a action that is an insulting action. To backslap somebody, backhand them. And that way, you're hitting them on their right cheek. See, this is a personal attack that that individual has done. And the Lord is saying, whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other also. Now, the Lord's not telling you to egg them on, or ag them on, whatever the word is. Is it ag, egg? I can't remember. Huh? Sick them. The Lord's not telling you that once somebody backslaps you, you go, go ahead, do it again. I dare you. Now you're encouraging them to sin. So where are you in that? But he's just saying, if, if they're going to do that to you, you have integrity. Because if, if it was a legit reason to be in a fuss, if it was a legit reason, there'd be fisticuffs, wouldn't there? <laughs> it wouldn't even be a slap. It'd be fisticuffs. I mean, you'd be bringing them up saying, okay, I'm ready to get after it. But if somebody backslaps you, that's an insulting move. And so he's, he's telling us that, that some people want to destroy your character. They want to insult you. And if they're insulting you, you have integrity enough to say, you know what? You can be wrong. Now, I don't think in any way, shape, or the fashion the Lord's telling us to just be taken advantage of. I don't think so at all. But this is the thing. They're going to prove their character by the, how they act. You prove your character by how you react. We as Christians have got to prove our character by how we react. Now, if I want to react, I had a pastor one time, he said, he said sometimes you've got to learn how to fight unfair. Now, some people might think that's, that's biting them. Or kicking them in the shin, that's fighting unfair, or, or doing things of that nature. But fighting unfair is like what the scripture says, is when someone speaks evil to you, you speak kindness unto them, and it's like heaping burning coals on their head. You fight unfair. You fight unfair. If they're going to backslap you, don't give them any reason. Don't give them any kind of reason to doubt your integrity, to doubt your character. If you think you're going to do that, hey, it's a backslap kind of sissy does that anyway i don't get that but but if they're gonna do that say okay you you've you've done what you've done you said what you said now let's talk about this let's figure out what's going on and if they don't want to talk it just goes to prove their character it proves their character that they are too small for you to be dealing with so the lord first talks about this personal attack that's and we've got to be selfless. If not, if you're like me, I probably, listen, I would love to say, 
that I'm one of these that I'd be like, oh, I'll turn my other cheek. No, I'm probably already coming back with about four knuckles, a knuckle sandwich. You know what I'm saying? You're going to slap me. I'm not cool with somebody. I don't like anybody touching me on the face, period. It's not my wife. You know, I don't want nobody touching me on my face. But if somebody's going to backslap me, it better be by the power of the Holy Spirit that I withhold from touching their face. And it's not going to be to say, oh, your skin's so smooth. <laughs> you know, it's not. It, it's it's going to be a response that, that is going to come from my heart probably. And it's going to be a heart of affliction. <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard one pastor say, I'm not a pacifist, but I'll pacifist. You know, uh, and, and, and so I, we've got to be mindful of our heart situation. We've got to be mindful of our heart situation. And he says, uh, that, that's insulting. No one wants that to happen. And, and we, uh, we've got to understand, too, Jesus is not one either that just said we just need to be pacifists. Okay? Right? There's time for righteous retaliation. There's time for righteous uh, indignation, if you will, anger. When Jesus went into the temple courts and they were uh, abusing the people by selling uh, the, the animals for sacrifice, they were selling them at astronomical prices. And, and Jesus comes in there and he makes a whip of cords. And he starts whipping, I'm talking about like, like legit, like Jesus, here he comes. Gladiator Jesus up in here. And, and he, he's telling them, he says, my father's house is a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. That was righteous anger. I believe there's a time and place that we have to stand our ground and defend what God says is righteous and holy, and there's a proper way to do such. But right here, he's talking about a proper way to deal with this eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and how to deal with an evil person. We must be mindful about how we respond to those type people. Also, there's not just a personal attack that sometimes people bring upon us. They bring a financial attack upon us. Look at verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. You know, the law may require just the outer garment, but Jesus is taking it to a, a layer of degree. He says, listen, if they're going to do that, it's, it's, a, it's a piece of clothing. And if they're going to do that, go ahead and, and help them out. Just say, look, look, you want that? That's no problem. We, we can handle this. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about while we're walking on the way, try to handle the situation before you get to the court. If not, you'll be handed over to the judge. And from the judge, you'll be handed over to the officer. And from the officer, you'll be handed over to the prison. And you will not get out until you pay the last penny. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Listen, if someone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. We need to be mindful about how people affect us financially. We need to be mindful of being good stewards of what we've got. Taking care of how God has called us out against the evil person who's trying to do something. This is not just somebody who's in need. This is an evil person. This is not saying, oh, you just need to keep giving out to everybody and breaking yourself and, and, and not, ever, not ever having a limit on how much you give. This is about an evil person. How to deal with an evil person. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic or your coat, let him have your clo uh, cloak also. This is your shirt. Give him the shirt off your back. Our actions, 
Our actions do not begin at the external. Rather, our actions begin at the internal. Our actions begin at the heart. And we see that person. A lot of times what he's talking about, this evil person really truly does need something to turn their heart from evil. And it could be that your generosity could change that. You see this need and you say, you know what, they won't assume me. Let's, I'll give you that. That's okay. And I'll give you this also. Now, some people will, they're enablers. And when you do that, oh, then they'll try to suck the life out of you and take everything from you. You need to be cautious. You need to be cautious of that. You need to be mindful of what the Lord is, is wanting you to help, how the Lord wants you to help and how the Lord wants you to uh, remove yourself from the evil person's pathway. You know, in Proverbs chapter 1 or uh, Psalm chapter 1, it talks about that. we got to remove ourselves from the pathway of the evil person. Look there at verse 41. He says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Sometimes there's got to be a selflessness of time. A selflessness of, t selflessness of time. And so we need to, um, we've got to be willing to help out that person. Now remember, this is an evil person. And when we think about this, this word compels you to go one mile. This is kind of like coerces or forces you. This isn't like your best friend says, hey man, let's, let's go a little bit further. This is, you've got to go. You've got to go. And this is in relation to the Romans and how the Romans would treat the Jews then. And they're like, all right, well, if you want me to go one, we'll go two. And it's, 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 it's saying, I'm submitting to this. I'm submitting to the Lord so that you may see the heart of a believer. That I'm not just out for me. That I can be out for other people. God calls us for other people. And whoever compels you to go one mile, coerce, and, and that's a coercion, go with him too. It's, it's, it's going the extra mile. So when, when they coerce you to walk that extra mile, you know, go with them. Go with them. But we're, we're to walk that extra mile and to show that we are people that are extra. God has done something extraordinary in our lives. So we're going to do something that, that, that can't be explained by human thought and rationale. We're going to respond to the person who slaps us on the cheek in a way that doesn't make any sense to that person who striked us on the cheek. We're going to respond to the person who's trying to sue us in a way that doesn't make any sense to them. And they're going to want to ask, why did you respond in this way? And when someone tries to coerce you or force you to go one mile and you decide, I'll just go two, they're going to be like, why? That doesn't make any sense. It, all of this is the opportunity to glorify God. Because he's done all those things for you and me. We struck him on the face. And what did he do? Died on a cross for us. We ask of him all the time. People are asking, God bless me. God bless me. God bless me. And what does he do so many times and we don't even realize that he's already blessed you. More than you could ever fathom. And then... We say walk one mile. We, we think about that. Christ walked so far for us. He stepped off his throne in glory and became poor for our sakes. What a distance to walk. And then lastly, give to him, verse 42, give to him who asks you 
And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. This is your possessions. We put so much value on our possessions today. We're not willing to part with them. We need to be mindful about, about the needs of others. You know, believers should be an example of selfless, sacrificial giving. I've heard it said, thinking selflessly doesn't mean thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. We need to be selfless people. And I know I said earlier, self is in front of everything, but selflessness is great. Selfishness is what leads to so many issues today. Selfishness leads to so many issues. When we are selfish people, every instance, circumstance, or action is personal. It becomes a point of contingency or argument. When we're selfish people. But when we are unselfish people, every instance, circumstance, or action is productive. and becomes a point of compassion or grace. And when we think about this verse 42, give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You know, Augustine said this, the text says, give to him who asks, not give everything to him who asks. Give to him who asks, but don't, it, it doesn't mean give everything to him. You know, and this, this about possessions, our selfishness is attacked at our heart, and le but legitimate needs need to be met. Maybe you've seen somebody who actually had a legitimate need. You saw it. And you said, you know what, I see they, they really do need, have a need. We can help them out. God wants us to give. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. That we need to be people that are willing to give of ourselves. And for what reason do we do that? We do that so that we may glorify God and have opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. It's not for our glory. It's not for our benefit. It's not for our praise. It's not so we can gather other things unto ourselves, so we can have more possessions or more money or more notoriety. It's so that God's name may be praised and someone may come to faith in Jesus Christ. When we look at all these different settings, we look at verse 39 about the person who will slap you on the cheek. We look at verse 40 and the person who would sue you. We look at verse 41 and the one who coerces or forces you to go a mile. We look there at verse 42 and the person who is constantly asking you for things. Well, you know, that's just really who we are. That's really who we are. And, and we think about how Jesus' life modeled the expectations of how we should act. In response to these type of people. We think about verse 39. When it says. Do not resist the evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek. Turn the other to him also. We think about Jesus. And how in Isaiah 53 7. It gives us a prophetic picture. Of what Christ looked like going to the cross. He was struck. But said nothing like a lamb. Led to the slaughter. He didn't say anything. We think about Jesus there in verse 40 when it says, If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, Jesus, that though he were rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be 
rich. He set those things off so that you and I may have life. Verse 41, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. I think about in Mark 16, 12 and 13, and Luke 24, 13 through 32, where Jesus walked with the discouraged disciples to Emmaus. Boy, there's a lot of days in there. Where Jesus walked with the discouraged disciples to Emmaus. He walked that extra mile. He walked that distance. Now, he was going to keep walking, and they compelled him. They coerced, they didn't really force him, but they compelled him to come into the house. And Jesus sat down with them and he began to explain to them from, from the beginning who he was. And then when their eyes were enlightened, he was gone. That's Jesus. He walked with them. And in verse 42, give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. And we think about how Jesus never turns away the lost soul, asking in repentance for forgiveness. He'll never do that. Jesus is, Jesus is our greater Jesus is our greater. Where we fail in every one of these circumstances, in every one of these actions, we fail. Just like I said, if somebody were to slap me on my face, open hand slap or backhanded slap, I would love to say that I would be like Christ, but probably not. But Christ is greater than me, and I turn to him and say, Lord, give me grace. When someone wants to sue me and take away my cloak, and I say, I don't really have a coat, but let's say I hit my coat. I say, but Lord, this cost me a lot of money. And Jesus would say, well, you know what? It cost me my life to give that up for you. I gave up my life so that you may have salvation. How little it is for you to give up a coat for somebody in need. If somebody says, Blake, I want you to go this far with me. I want you to come do this. And I say, I ain't got the time. And the Lord says, you know what? Before the foundations of the earth were made, I, the Lamb of God was slain. I made time for you. You can make time for somebody. And then if someone was to ask to borrow something from me or need something from me, I don't know if I really want to, I don't know if you're going to keep it or give it back. The Lord says, you know what? You ask of me all the time. And am I not a faithful, good father who responds and loves you and gives you grace? And gives you forgiveness, just as 1 John 1, 9 says, that if you will confess your sins, I am faithful and just to, he is faithful. But basically, Jesus says, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Is that not a good God? He is our greater model. He is the one who really can fulfill this where we know we are going to fall short. So this is the thing today. Do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? Because every one of us, one of those four circumstances, we as believers, we, we, we deal with that. It's something that comes upon us at some point in our life. But there's no way we're going to respond in a Christ-like manner without Christ in our heart. And Christ says, I'm willing to come. I stepped off the throne of glory so that you may have salvation so that you may have a right relationship with my Father. Listen, today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have a right standing with the Father. And if you don't have a right standing with the Father, you don't have a home in heaven. I'll tell you what you have. You still have a ticket to hell. You have a path that's guiding you to hell without a relationship with Jesus Christ. So today, 
I want to encourage you. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, today be the day. Give your life to Christ. He is the greater. He is greater. And where we fail, he succeeded. And he still succeeds. And where we fail today, he comes in with grace and lifts us up and says, I'll do this. I'll help you with this. I need, I need a Lord. And I need him to be my Savior.